Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. Today, there's a scripture I want us to read. It's a scripture you know that you've probably heard of before, but let's just go ahead and look at it, and, and, and I'm going to read it to you. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I'm just going to read it again. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, my goal this morning, if you would allow me to, is just I would like to use the analogy of a swimming
tractor, the gear, when you bring it down, it, it would go slow. But on Dale's tractor, her, her dad's best friend, in the presence And my dad said, go ahead, and how he could a sinner I stand amazed. And she said, the whole time my dad yelling, jump, jump, jump. In the presence So I get off the tractor and I run up to dad. with Dale, don't tell your mom about this. <laughs> oh, man. So Charlie leaves. They finish up their food, and when she gets up, we make eye contact again. I said, thank you so much for that story. I quite enjoyed that, and we had a good little encounter. But stories, man, I love it because that, that's what we do, right? We just tell stories all the time. From one generation to the next, that's what we do. And these stories are all kinds of different. I mean, they're, they're the fun stories. How did you drive... How did you ask grandma out on that first date? Uh, th- all these stories, they're fun stories. They're, they're informational stories. Like, yeah, I struggled with this too. Or I went through this hard time. Or they're just like, yeah, this event happened in the world. The, the depression happened. Or 9-11 happened. I mean, there, there's national events. These stories, we give our perspective to the younger generations. And there is no exception to the spiritual stories in our lives that we pass down to generations. Now, this is all through the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy is very heavy with saying, man, tell your kids everything. Tell it, write it down, share with them, because that's the only way that we'll know the works of the Lord. So, as you share stories, there will be no more impactful statement then when you share the spiritual stories with those, with your nieces, with your nephews, with your students, with your grandkids, with just people you're close to, family, friends, kids, when you share a story that at the end you can say, but we trusted Jesus because Jesus was the author and the perfecter of our faith. And that's how you share your testimony. That's how you share a story that will go on and, and it gives glory to what God has done. So how do we see this now in action? How can we look at this statement again and just realize how, how did this come to life maybe in the scriptures themselves? And to do that, um, we're just going to look in um, Genesis 15. But before we get there, I want to tell you about um, Abram. And I'm going to call him Abram because his name was still Abram. But this is Abraham. You guys will be familiar with Abraham. He's kind of the father of all of us, the, the many nations. But before his name changed, he was called Abram. So this morning, I'll be just be referring to him as Abram. Uh, but Abram, we, we see an interesting thing here. Abram shows us his point of view, because we've all got points of view, right? We, we are all fixing our eyes on something, okay? And this is where we're going to tie it in with Hebrews. We're fixing our eyes on something. We have a perspective. We have a point of view of something going on. And for Abram, in this particular story, he was getting frustrated. He was angry. He was upset. He was becoming jaded. He was becoming um, weary. 
he was becoming unsettled and he had strong opinions. He had strong opinions because he was sure he was sure of himself in his perspective. And Abram was no different, no different than you and I today. Many Christians will find themselves in this situation that Abram was in. And Abram is, is frustrated. And, and as we tease the story out, the thing is, is Abram was becoming resolved. He was starting to accept something different than the grander vision for his life. And that's where, unfortunately, many of us Christians fall into. And so we're going to talk about that. So Abraham, in Genesis 15, it says God came to him in a vision about being a great reward. And he says, he comes to Abram and he says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. It's as if God, I mean, the living God, okay, God comes to you, showed up on your doorstep and said, hey, don't be afraid. I'm your shelter and I am your reward. I'm giving you me. Like, like this is a great interaction, or it should be. You would think, who doesn't want that? God, would you just show up at my door today? <laughs> would you just show up and give me a clear answer? Would you just show up? I just want more of you. Like, all these prayers we probably pray, different language, but that's what we're getting at. God, would you just show up? And how does Abram respond? The next verse. God just said, I, I give you me. He says, yeah, 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 about that. Hey, sovereign God, what can you give me? <laughs> like, no, God, God just said, I will give you me. And he's saying, ah, I've heard that before. Uh, what can you give me since I remain childless and, I'm the, one, and, and the one who's going to inherit my estate is Eleazar? Now, here's, here, here's the deal. Abram had gotten to a place where he has an attitude with God. He has an attitude like many Christians that we start to say, yeah, God, whatever about that. Just I want something that's more matching what I want. And this is clearly what Abram said. You've got the God of the universe standing before you saying, I'm give you me. And okay, whatever. Um, God, I just want this kind of blessing. And I think we push off some of the blessings in our life that are right before us because what happens is this. We get our, the context of our world becomes limited and it continues to shrink around us and it gets smaller and it gets more self-focused and, and, and as we go along and it becomes harder to, to break that. And this is evident with, with Abram. So with Abram's attitude, why does he have such an attitude of this? You've given me no children. So a servant, a servant in my house is going to get all my inheritance why is this? Well, because the very first sentence of Genesis 15, it says, after these things, okay? And so we got to say, well, what were those things? In Genesis 12, Abram receives a promise from God. It says this in Genesis 12, 2 through 3, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So here in Genesis 12, which, which, which most people believe is a, a decade, 15 years, uh, possibly even 20 years before Genesis 15. So, so this is 10 to 15, possibly 20 years prior to the episode we're looking at. 
This is what happened. God gave Abram this promise. Now, later in chapter 12, if you kept reading, they, they, moved, they started to move to go to the land that God said, I'll show you this land. And when they, moved, when they were moving, God came to Abram again. Later on in chapter 12, if you're looking at it, when they're in Shechem, and God tells Abram again, hey, look as far as you can. I'm going to bless you. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be a father of many nations. Then, in the next chapter, chapter 13, there, Abram and Lot, they're the guys that God said, go find the land, okay? Um, but anyhow, they come to this spot, and again, God shows up in chapter 13. I believe we have that for us. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, look around you from where you are to the north and to the south, to the east and west, all the land you see, everything you see. I will give you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of earth. So that if anyone could count dust particles, then your offspring could be counted. This is an amazing promise. This is an amazing vision that Abram's received three times already. Three times. Fifteen years later, Abram's saying, God, I don't even have a kid yet. What's going on here? What's going on? Here's the deal. That's where we get into the picture, right? How many Sundays have you been to church? How many sermons have you listened to? Books you've bought and read? Things you've searched, researched? Conferences you've attended? Life groups you've been a part of? conversations you've been waiting you've been you've heard God he's given you vision he's given you passion you've heard him and yet the time just continues to go day after day after day and there's no movement and there's no fruition to what you know is inside of you man some of us I believe are in that position and so over time Abram rightfully d- develops an attitude, says, God, wh- I'm kind of over your prophecies. I mean, I'm kind of over getting this word. Uh, I, there's nothing. That, there's nothing. Like, like, I'm tired of it. Now, honestly, the talk is cheap. I mean, we're talking close to 20 years now, and I don't have a kid. All my inheritance is going to go to Eleazar. That's not even my name. That's not even my bloodline. Like, like, I don't get it. So honestly, I'm not even really interested in hearing anymore. Man, how many Christians get to that place? How many Christians get to that place? I believe some of us are there this morning. I I believe there could be maybe some moms, dads, grandparents, um, uh, workers, whatever, at a place where you're thinking to yourself, man, I I used to think this, but I'm kind of resolving myself to just think, man, God, can I just have one kid? Like, like, forget the great nation, forget the passion. Can I just get one kid? So for us, you know, insert your story. Man, I had that. If, If I'm honest with myself, I used to think this, and now I'm just being trapped, and my context is shrinking, and I'm becoming smaller, and I'm just settling for this. Man, it's powerful. Um, And then what does God do in that moment? God looks at Abram and says, you listen to me. 
there will be a hair from your body. There will be. And what's even greater, what's even greater is we get to see what God does. And the Bible says God comes to Abram. He actually comes to Abram. Now, when he comes to Abram, it's, Abram is in a tent, okay? Abram's in a tent. We, it, it's, 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 it's indicated to us that Abram's in a tent. And when he's in a tent, it says God comes to Abram. Abram's throwing a fit, temper tantrum, and God comes to him. But listen, and then Abram says this. And this is a word I know I've said before to God. You've probably said this to God before too. Look, look, as if, as if God didn't already know everything going on, as if God is very in tune, he's the ultimate looker, right? Like, he's looking. Look, and look at where, look at, the, the, look at how horrendous this is. I mean, I mean, really, on Abram's, look at where he's at. He's inside the tent. God, look at my life. Look around me. Just look. I mean, are you serious, Abram? You can't be doing that. But, 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 but really, we've all been there, right? Like, God, come. Look. Look. My kids are out of control. Look. Look. My, my wife, she needs help. Uh, <laughs> look. Look, God. I've been, I've been trying to do what you've told me to do, but look, look at my life, look. And God, God comes down and he realizes that as if God's going to come down and say like, oh yeah, man, dude, recalculating, uh, you're right, I totally messed this up. Forget every single promise I gave you, dude, you are messed up. That, God doesn't do that. But listen, guys, we've been here and some of us are here now. God, look. 20 years I've been coming to this church. And I keep hearing you tell me something. And I don't see it. I don't see anything. God, I've been working on my marriage. And it's not working. God, you've given me this gift. You've given me this incredible vision. But yet I'm getting no traction. Look, look, God, look. I mean, you ever just want to say that to God? I mean, don't you really just want to say that to God sometimes? I, I do, I do. Look. And he gets an attitude and he's going off. And, and honestly, if I'm God, that's probably when you come down and you look at a twerp like this <laughs> and you say, Boy, I knit you together in your mother's womb. <laughs> I'm about to unknit you. <laughs> right? But what does God do? Man, again, this is this incredible picture of our Yahweh, our God. He comes to Abram. He comes to Abram. Because who is God? Well, to just kind of start the list, God is love. God is just. God is patient. God is slow to anger. God is abounding in love. God is actually aching for everyone to come to salvation. And we could go on and on with who God is. How, does, how do we see it? God doesn't only come to Abram. 
doesn't only go inside the tent to Abram, but he does an amazing thing. He says, come here. And he pulls Abram out of the tent. The Bible says he brings him out of the tent. And then he just, if you will, just says, Abram, just look. Look out there. Look at the stars. Can you count them? Start counting them. There's a lot, aren't there? (laughs) Abram, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm the author of your faith, and I'm writing a story. Just look at the stars. If you can start counting those, Abram, I'm telling you, that's what I'm going to do through you. I'm going to make you a father of many, many, many descendants. And God shows Abram with his, his, his identity and how he's doing it. Now, God is writing this story for us today. It's the story of faith. You see, he's the author of faith. So what happens is not only is he writing the story when your faith is lacking, he's writing the story when your faith is strong. And so what's going to happen is he's got a story. So not only is that is he, the, is he the author of that? And he knows how to write the story. He knows how to work out all things for the good. He knows how to be an author of your life. He also knows when you start to crumble and when you start to break down, he knows how to come get you and come bring you out and strengthen your faith again because he's the author of it. And so he's going to write the story today for you to see, man, you're looking, you're looking in there. You've limited yourself. You've got to get out of your context, and you've got to let me show you the vision again. So now I'm just saying, fast forward several years, and you've got a dad and son moment. This is just me kind of talking. You've got, you got Isaac coming up to dad, Abram, Abraham at that point, saying, Dad, hey, I know you're at the campfire tonight. You mind if I sit by you? Come on, son. Hey, dad, I've got a question. I know we follow Yahweh, and I know he's good to us, but Dad, I know you laugh a lot when you think about how I was born and you were like 100 years old and stuff. <laughs> uh, but Dad, I got a serious question. Um, did, you ever, did you ever question God? Like, your faith? Do you ever, did you have a hard time? You, you acted like God told you one time that I would be born, but then that it was for a while. And now in my own life, in my own spiritual journey, I'm just kind of curious, did you ever get frustrated or upset? And there's the generational story. And Abraham gets to look at Isaac and say, oh, son, you, you've hit it on the head. Welcome to the tension of, being, of, of the heart of being a Christian. You're always going to want to get ahead of God. You're always going to want to see things from your perspective. And when it does, it's going to seem like it's caving in and you're going to get more and more angry. And you've got to learn. You're going to have to learn. You've got, you got to trust God. I had a really bad night, Isaac. <laughs> you know, and I was giving it to God, giving it to God. But you know what Yahweh did for me? What, Dad? Tell me. Tell me every detail I want to know. And Abram could say, man, he came to me. He came inside my tent, and he brought me out, and he showed me. You see, I was saying, Yahweh, look, look, look. And he said, no, I'm not going to look there. You look here. You look at what I'm doing. 
you've become way too enclosed in your context. And, and, and Abraham would be able to tell his son, um, he, he would be able to tell his son on that, around that campfire that night, just, I have reduced my world to the inside of my tent, and uh, he fixed me. The Yahweh fixed my view. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the author of your faith. He is the author of your faith. He, he perfects it. And so, and that's what, that's what uh, Abraham would have told Isaac. He perfects your faith. Okay, so now that we have this idea that he is the author of your faith and, and that he, he, he is a great author and he's working out all things, um, and let's just kind of jump over now to talk about the perfecter side of things, right? We said there's two legs, okay? Yahweh is writing your story, guys. Come on, listen up. Listen up. Yahweh is writing your story. Hang in there. Hang in there. Get out of your context and look up. You, you got to seek God. Now, let's talk about this perfecter aspect because this is the other leg and this is just as strong and, 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 and we'll be a little brief through this. But what it, Hebrew says he is the perfecter of your faith. Well, again, the cool thing about the Bible, I always like to try to connect the New Testament and Old Testament together and here we are in Genesis 15 and we can stay in Genesis 15 for this second principle. Later, on in chapter 15, we, we get talking about a covenant. And I want to talk to you for a moment about a covenant. Um, a couple, uh, um, last week when I was at, at school for the week, I was able to look up uh, one of my uh, Hebrew professors. Um, I did some Hebrew work a, a little while ago, and, and I, it's just been on my mind here lately, this particular term, the covenant. And I've been just kind of thinking, dwelling on that, and I knew I was going back to school, and I wanted to look him down, and I, I found him, and I uh, said, hey, Barit, and he said, mm-hmm, yeah, and Barit is the, the, the Hebrew word for covenant. I said, man, I can't stop thinking about it. Well, of course, he's just like, yeah, exactly. What it is is uh, Barat is this Hebrew word. It's the root word, okay, Barat. And barat means meat, like the meat of an animal. So in Hebrew, you've got these words that, that go together to, to form a word, okay? It's not just like every single word has its own thing like in English. But in Hebrew, you have this root, and it, the root is barat, meaning meat. But to make a covenant, you would think the word make. What is the word make in Hebrew? The word make is asa. Well, it's not... Asah, they don't use that to form this covenant word, berit. They use this word, karat, karat. And karat means cut. So the word covenant in Hebrew, berit, means cut meat, to cut the meat. So we say make a covenant. Well, in Hebrew, what you're saying is you're saying, let's cut the meat. Like, you want to cut the meat on that? Like, make a deal. But this is what they would do. They, they would take a, a sacrifice, an animal, and they would cut it in half, cut the meat. They would cut it in half and separate the, the sides of it. And then what you would do is you and the person you're making this covenant with, you both would pass through the animal that you just split in half and moved to parts, okay? You, you, would, you would both walk through there. And what that symbolized was, hey, if I don't keep my end of the, the bargain, if I don't keep my end of the covenant, you can do that to me. You liter that's how serious covenants were. 
This is serious. If I don't keep it, you get to cut me in half. Because this symbolizes cut the meat. That's what they do. And this is the very language that God uses with his people, Israel. Now listen, guys. And wrap this up for you. Here's the deal. When God makes that covenant, he made it with the people of Israel, right? That, that's the people that follow God in the Old Testament. Um, just to try to help you understand this real fast. And so there's this people of God. They're called the Israelites. Israel. Well, guess what? They didn't keep their end of the bargain. Um, I don't know how much you know or you've read through there, but, but the people of Israel, they, they didn't. I mean, Yahweh was really good to them and made a covenant, but, but they didn't keep it. And, and if you read through the Old Testament, you'll see that what happens is the people of Israel actually get split in half. They become Judah and Israel. They actually get split. They didn't keep the covenant. Very interesting things happening there. But the good news for you and I is this perfecter idea that Jesus Christ himself, he brings a new covenant and he speaks of a better sacrifice. His blood is what covers us when we don't keep our end of our covenant up with God. So, so now there's a new covenant. But this is, this is amazing. And so I, I, I'm talking to my professor, you know, and I'm just like, man, I just, I just, I don't know, I'm, it just moves me to keep thinking that, that I'm supposed to walk through there and get my body cut in half because I don't keep it, I, I don't keep it. And, and yet Jesus Christ ultimately is the one who did that and just a fascinating conversation about all that stuff. Well, and he, uh, and, oh yeah, these are examples of what, what that means. After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abraham saw a smoking fire part and a flaming torch which represented God. And it passed between the halves of the carcasses. Okay, so the Lord made a covenant. And in uh, Jeremiah 34, 18, we see it again. Because you have broken the terms of our covenant, I will cut you apart just as you cut apart the calf when you walk between its halves to solemnize your vows. Again, just this word picture for you to understand that Jesus Christ perfects our faith. We put our faith in God, but we fall short and we sin. Well, how does that covenant get restored? This is this is. This is huge. It's because Jesus Christ does it for us. And God no longer desires for us to be split apart. He welcomes us home because Jesus Christ is perfecting everything. So every song we sing, every prayer we pray, every request, every plea we make, we cannot make that to God alone. But only through Christ, our perfecter, our mediator, does he perfect all things, and it gets laid before God. The point is this. Your faith wavers, and you sin. You do, but God is perfecting your faith through Jesus Christ. So you've got this author of faith writing the story through everything, and you've got this perfecter of your faith. So your story, your circumstances, your surroundings, your context, and your shortcomings, your failures, your temptations... All of that is being perfected by God through Jesus Christ. Amazing, powerful stuff. Okay, so let's just look at this. In Isaiah 7, 9, it says, If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. We've just established two legs to stand on. The author of your faith, the perfecter of your faith, right? If it's the author of your faith and perfecter of your faith, you can stand firm in your faith 
because if you don't stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And Psalm 121 is beautiful. Listen again to the perspective, the point of view. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my hope come from? Where does my hope come from? My hope comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Okay, guys, here's just to wrap it up. You might need to be delivered this morning from your perspective because your perspective is either wrapped up in a tent and you need a new perspective or your perspective of your sin or your shame or a past regret has got you so tripped up that your, your eyes aren't focused where they should be. It, it's tripping you up. Satan is alive and well, and he is a liar. He is a liar. So you might need to be delivered. Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Um, you guys, here's the deal. I mean, like, just to be a little transparent, like my family, man, like we're just going through stuff right now. Um, my, my, my family, my, my side, like my mom's side of the family, um, you know, we, we've been dealt, you know, a, a, a hand that was unexpected here in the last few weeks. Uh, Stephanie's family, at the same time, has been dealt a hand that we were not expecting. Um, and then even our family, the Nelson family, just stuff we're kind of wrestling with and going through. And, 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 I, and I say that because I just always want there to be the transparency, right? I mean, that this platform is no exception uh, to, to, to my life versus your life, right? And, and it's very easy, guys, to just say, God, look. Look, God. And you just can't do that. You can't do that. You, you got to lift up your eyes and you got to trust. Man, trust. I know I'm only 36. Some of you might laugh at that, thinking I'm a young pup. But from my perspective, one word that is gradually making more and more sense in my life is the word trust. Because there's becoming more and more things in my life that I'm finally having to face and deal with that I can only trust God. I, I can't do it. Um, whether that's from kids growing up to, to circumstances or whatever. And I, I would like to think trust becomes more and more important the order you get with the more difficulties you got to deal with, the more phone calls you get, the more, oh, my kids are doing this now, or, oh, their marriage is falling apart, or this, or this. Like, it, it, it's real stuff, guys. And I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you with all I have. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. All right. I'm going to pray, and after I pray, Ryan uh, Persia's got an announcement for you all, okay? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for grace and goodness. Thank you for writing this story when we are obeying and when we're disobeying. And I thank you for writing the stories when storms come, and um, thank you for being good, that you come to us and you bring us out, and you give us vision, and you give us hope. God, thank you for being an author and for being perfect. We trust you, God. Help us. There's some people in this room that need more trust. they got to trust you, God. Help us all. In Jesus' name, amen.